0: What does it mean to bring our whole selves into the world? To give ourselves the gift of unconditional acceptance? Join me as we learn together. I'm Jorgen Salvas, and this is Unshaming. Welcome to Unshaming. Here, you're free to be who you are, right where you are, and how you are. Unshaming is about representation. You'll hear the stories here, and you can see all of the original unshaming images of our interviewees on our Instagram at unshaming and at unshamingpodcast.com. This episode is my own. I asked my good friend Haley to interview me, and it's about my shame of being gay. If there's one thing I wish you could take away from season one, it's that rejection isn't a bad thing. When we unshame ourselves and put ourselves out there for who we really are, the people who reject us aren't even people we would want to spend time with anyway. At the core of unshaming is the belief that you are worthy of love, you are worthy of true friendship, and you are worthy of life's blessings, just as you are. Thank you for listening. Thank you for interviewing me, Haley.
1: Thanks for having me. I'm honored that you asked me to interview you. So tell us who you are.
0: My name is Jorgen Salvis, and I am the host of Unshaming.
1: And what does Unshaming mean?
0: Unshaming is basically the idea that you unlock the celebration of life when you accept yourself truly and fully for who you are where you are and how you are right now in this moment
1: and what inspired you to create this
0: it was basically inspired by my own coming out story and the many years that I spent in the closet, ashamed of my identity, ashamed of being gay, and and also in denial, too.
1: Can you tell us a little bit about how you were raised and what it was like growing up gay?
0: Yeah, um, it was really hard when I look back at it. I think that after I came out, I sort of, like erased a lot of it and thought, oh, you know, that wasn't that bad. But the more, um, just because my friends and family for the most part were pretty accepting of it. um, But when I look back at it, it it was really hard. Growing up Indian and first generation, um, my parents and I were immigrants to the US and Catholic and in Texas. Um, There was a lot of compounded just factors of being conservative, being super traditional. You know, my earliest memories of being gay or, or understanding that it wasn't okay to be gay was just always kids telling me, stop acting like a girl, stop acting gay, stop talking like a girl, um, learning in the Catholic church that you can't get married if you're gay. I was really bullied for being gay too. And and before I even knew it, I think kids knew that I was gay before I even knew that I was gay on the playground. I remember one of my earliest memories of it was during recess on the playground. I remember this kid tapped me on the shoulders. I must've been in the second grade. So that's like eight years old maybe. And I remember him tapping me on the shoulder and saying, no gay people allowed and I know that might seem unrealistic to some people like you know I can't even believe that kids would say something at that age but gay abuse starts on the playground and yes at that age I mean I would even venture to say earlier and throughout my adolescence I was always hearing messages like that both directly and indirectly and they built this narrative in my mind that whether I was gay or I wasn't gay—I mean, I didn't know at that age—but whether I was or I wasn't, I—I I had thought of it as being this disgusting, repellent, and unlovable thing, and I didn't want any—I I didn't want anything to do with it. And so I spent most of my life convincing my friends and family and everyone around me that I wasn't gay. And I spent a lot of my life convincing myself that I wasn't gay. I actually went so far as to get with women when I was in college, because I just wanted so badly to fit in. I wanted so badly to feel normal and it never made sense to me because i've never wanted anything more from a woman than friendship so even when you know girls would tell me they had feelings for me or i'd find out that they had feelings for me i'd i'd just get so awkward and i'd become avoidant toward them um, cause it just, it, it never, I didn't even know how to compute that in my brain or my body. It just didn't make sense to me. And because I just wanted to be normal so badly, um, I had gotten with girls and treated a couple of them pretty badly because of how confused I was. And I look back at that and I do feel pretty sad about that oftentimes. I think in my head I thought that if people knew I was gay they'd know that I was unlovable because that's really what I thought to be gay meant to be unlovable and I think that was the biggest fear I ever had was being unlovable
1: and at what point was it growing up that you came out
0: I was a senior in college, actually.
1: And you went to school here in New York?
0: I did, yeah. I was... Which is crazy because, you know, New York is a really accepting place. But that was just how deep my shame was. I, I did not believe that um, if I came out, people would still accept me. I was so deeply scared of that rejection. So I actually... Going into my senior year of college, I had gotten this internship in San Francisco. And I remember thinking to myself, all right, I'm going across the country to San Francisco. Nobody knows me. I have to be out. you know and at this one, I was 20 years old. And so I went I went um, there and the first two people that I told, One ended up becoming my best friend um, who is actually working on this podcast (laughs) and then the other person ended up being uh, my first love. After that summer, I came back to school and came out to all of my friends and they were very accepting, you know, kind of like an afterthought almost. It was a little trickier with my parents. With my parents, my brother had just gotten engaged. And so the plan was we were all going to see him in Hawaii, where he lives. And I hadn't seen my parents in about a year. I hadn't seen my brother in a while as well. So this was supposed to be like the big family reunion. So, you know, at this point I was in a very committed relationship for a couple months. And I was was living a double life for my parents. On the one hand, I was, you know, falling in love and they had no idea. They literally had no idea, and it was really weighing on me. And I didn't know when I would see them next. And so I knew this was the time that I had to come out to them. I I really couldn't wait any longer. And um, it it was just so unfortunate. I, I remember feeling so bad the whole time. I felt horrible that I was taking away this moment from my sister-in-law and my brother, you know, introducing us to his future wife. At the same time, I I also felt so anxious because of the shame. You know, I just really didn't want to come out to my parents. I was so not looking forward to doing it that I I couldn't even muster up the bravery to do it the whole trip. I, I waited until the very last day Before I left to do it. And I remember it was, they took it pretty hard. I I remember they took it pretty hard. My mom was crying a lot. My dad was more composed. And I remember him telling me, you know, listen, we will stand by you no matter what. I remember him asking me, this is something that typically happens to people who have been touched in some kind of way by other men like growing up. Um, Or I think that might have been what he was implying. And he was kind of asking, like, is there something you're not telling us or something you never felt comfortable telling us growing up? And I said, no, you know, I remember telling my mom the only way we can normalize this is if we talk about it. And I, I remember her at that point being pretty distraught and confused and just like kind of taken aback by the whole thing and and saying like, I don't know if this will really ever be normal to me. And I remember my dad saying, you know, we love you and we will support you, but be patient with us because there's no one in the family who is gay. And I remember wanting to have told him There's no one in the family that is out. In the Indian culture, at least in the Indian culture I've experienced, sexuality is a pretty big taboo. My sex education for my parents was more so around abstinence. We never talked about sex and safe sex and what different forms of sex look like for different people, let alone sexuality and how fluid that could be. Um, and plus, you know, that was also compounded with being religious and having a very binary view of sexuality. And um, so I kind of felt growing up like I didn't really have the space to talk to them about that. And I remember the last question my dad asking me was What do you wish for us to understand about this or take away? And at this point, all three of my parents are and I are crying. Um, and I remember them sort of investigating, like, what triggered this? What caused you to act this way or behave this way or become this way? And so my answer was, if there is one thing I want you to take away from this, just please understand nothing and no one made me gay. I am gay. I've always been gay. And. You know, I'm a big believer that things happen in the perfect time because I don't think I would have been equipped with. I w- I don't think I would have been able to articulate myself had I to have come out any earlier. The whole next day was pretty awkward. I think my parents are still in shock and like really processing the whole thing, and uh, they dropped me off at the airport. And I got out of the car to say goodbye to my parents. And my dad hugged me in a way that he had never really hugged me before. It was just very, very protective. And I remember feeling teardrops on my shoulder. And before I knew it, he was sobbing. And I'd never seen my dad cry before in my life. And my mom was really crying as well and I remember her just repeating over and over Jordan please take care of yourself please take care of yourself please take care of yourself it was kind of like you know they were never going to see me again and they were like grieving me in front of me and when I think about it perhaps they were they were never going to see that part of me ever again. You know, the, 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 the boy, the son that would give them biological grandchildren with the woman he would marry in the Catholic church, it just wasn't gonna happen. And um, I, I remember just using every bit of strength in me not to completely break down in front of my parents I didn't even make it to the check-in counter. I just turned the corner so that they couldn't see me and got up against the wall and just slumped to the ground and cried for like half an hour. And it was just, it was a barrage of emotions all at once. It was sadness, it was relief and catharsis, it was guilt, it was everything all at once i think particularly being the son of two immigrant parents um, who have like sacrificed everything for me and my brother to have the best of everything the best education the best experiences i always feel really sad um, when i disappoint my parents and this was one of those moments where you know not only did I have to disappoint them but I had to break their heart and that really really upset me and that was the hardest thing I've ever had to do was break my parents heart about a month after um, I went on this backpacking trip with my friends to India where my parents are from and Although I didn't go with my parents, I did learn a lot about them. This was very shortly after me coming out to them and I remember being kind of frustrated at them because and a little bit impatient because on the one hand I had all my friends who accepted me so quickly after telling them and my parents were a little bit slower I think with that So I went on this trip and it was the first time I had been to India since I was like 13. So my first time going as an adult and I sort of saw many parts of where they grew up and how they grew up and who they grew up with. I remember having this one conversation with my cousin and I told him I was gay and he was, I remember him saying, I'm really happy for you and I'm so proud of you. I'm just not so sure that India will be. And a lot of things happened for me in that moment. And sort of the months after when I got to process it, one was a really deep sense of empathy for my parents. It had never really dawned on me that by asking them to accept me and demanding them to accept me, I was also demanding that they unlearn everything that they've ever known growing up. It gave me a really a new sense of respect and admiration for them in the sense that we can all evolve to think of new things and accept new ideas. It also gave me a really deep sense of empathy for myself. I remember thinking after that trip, the shame that I had carried on my shoulders for my whole life, it was never mine. It never belonged to me. It was my parents' shame. It was the shame of my ancestors. It was the shame of India, of the Catholic church that I grew up in, of the American South that I grew up in. And that was so liberating for me because It made me feel like I was actually free to be who I wanted to be for the first time.
1: Now, you said that whenever you came out in San Francisco to two people, one who ended up being one of your best friends, and then two, the person that you ended up becoming in a relationship with Mm -hmm. and falling in love with. What was it like being in love for the first time, um, openly gay?
0: It was really quite beautiful and and um and special actually um when i think back to those first few months i i do think really fondly of them and i remember the first time we kissed and um i remember being like oh my god like how amazing is it to like kiss (laughs) someone that you really love you know and when i was falling in love with him and it kind of makes me a little bit emotional because i actually think that that's such a human right to be able to kiss the person you love and marry the person you love and it does hurt me that there are parts of the world and, and parts of the US that you know think that that's that's exclusive to one group of people and i i just disagree I think falling in love is something that everyone has the right to do and feel and enjoy.
1: And how was your first relationship in general?
0: It, this is like I think a really important question to answer because the shame of being gay did not end when I came out so I thought it um, sort of just like began there <laughs> I think. It started off really great, you know, but I think I started to exhibit some pretty toxic behaviors over time. You know, it was the first time that anyone had ever touched the deepest secret I'd ever held. And I wasn't equipped with the tools to be in a healthy relationship because I was so embroiled with my own internal conflicts even though I no longer thought of being gay as this horrible thing, I still unconsciously believed that I was inferior. So I was always trying to prove myself. I was always trying to prove myself to him, um, to everyone else. I was like comparing myself constantly, competing against him. It was just really bad. And I had no sense of self no one had ever validated me for being gay. I had never validated myself for who I was. And so I was always trying to find validation outside of myself for my body, for my accomplishments. I remember it was my senior year, and I was searching for a job. And I just remember being so anxious the whole year about finding the perfect job, about graduating in the top tier of my class. Things that you know, aren't as important to me now were just so important to me then because that was how I validated myself. And I, I did get those things. But I also remember when people didn't validate me for them, when they didn't recognize them, I then started to question my own self-worth.
1: How did you end up overcoming that constant need for outside validation?
0: I don't know if I'm fully there yet. Um, Certainly a long way from where I once was. Um, and, And that's sort of why I started this podcast in a sense. It's partly born out of my own curiosity, partly born out of my desire to see and hear more stories like my own represented in the media it's also partly born out of my insecurities i'm also looking to find out how do people free themselves of the binding chains that external validation can have on a lot of people you know in in other words how do I stop caring what other people think about me? It's years of internalized programming, right, that we have to undo. I think in the last couple of years, I've come to boil it down to probably two parts. The first, I would say, is just having a support system. Um, I don't know what I would do without being surrounded by in- the incredible Friends and family that I've had, the gift to be surrounded by in the last um, few years since I came out, who have constantly validated me. My my parents have like come such a far way and in, invalidating me for who I am and standing with me no matter what. Being surrounded by really confident gay men was incredible for me, and constantly having people uplift me and assuring and affirming what I know about myself was really important. And, and the other piece has been unequivocal, radical acceptance of who I am, where I am in my process of acceptance, and how I am.
1: Why do you think the movement of unshaming is so relevant in our society right now?
0: I think it's something that all of us share in common. Shame is like a universal experience. All of us are ashamed of something. And a lot of times it's undeserving shame. A lot of times we don't deserve the shame that we unconsciously accept and carry, especially with social media and this like constant pressure to be perfect all the time to have the perfect angles taken of you, the perfect lighting, the perfect skin, the perfect lifestyle, it's exhausting. And it's just not real. And and that's why I think it's so relevant because I think people are starting to crave community where we can talk about that kind of stuff. It's exhausting to be someone you're not 24 seven. And what I hope that unshaming does is create a forum for people to talk about what's not so perfect about them that makes them perfect right now where they are
1: what are you excited to show everyone with this podcast
0: a couple different things so the first thing that i'm excited to show people is the stories we worked really hard to put together seven different stories this season. So I've interviewed the seven different people. We also created photo shoots for each person on the show. And so not only will you be able to hear the stories on the podcast, but you'll be able to see the stories on our Instagram page at Unshaming and on the website, unshamingpodcast.com. And it was really important for us to do not only the interviews and but also the photo shoots because this idea of representation is just so important to me. I really do think that growing up, if there was a gay Indian man that I saw living boldly and proudly, I would have been more encouraged earlier on to accept my identity. I think, my loved ones would have been more encouraged earlier on to accept my identity because it would have just been normalized. So a big piece of this podcast is representation and and I'm excited to show people what it means to bring your whole self into the world. I'm also excited to show people that through this podcast, when we openly talk about the things we are ashamed of, we, inherently take away the power that shame has over us and we begin to unshame those things
1: who has been a part of creating this podcast with you
0: I've had the like absolute pleasure and joy of working on this podcast with some of my best friends who have taken the idea and created things and parts of it and aspects of it that I would have never been able to do on my own um, from the creative to the marketing to the social media to the website and I'm excited for everyone to see that as well. I feel like I should really talk about Brene Brown too who's kind of like the queen of shame but <laughs> like like scholar I guess on shame. Um, she didn't work with me on this podcast but I have a very special place in my heart for her because after reading her books and her work, it was the first time in my life that I was equipped with the vocabulary to discuss my experiences, which has been powerful and poignant for me and and a big source of inspiration for this project.
1: What do you think we're all searching for?
0: Belonging. I think we're all looking to be a part of something. We're all searching to be a part of something that's bigger than us. And I think we just all wanna know that that we it's okay to belong. It's okay to be here. No matter who you are and what you've done, if you're breathing, it's your birthright to belong here. And that's, that's what Unshaming is. I'm Jorgen Salves, and you've been listening to Unshaming. For more information on Unshaming or anyone featured on the show, visit us at unshamingpodcast.com. If you liked this episode, please rate, subscribe, and review. Unshaming Season 1 is now streaming everywhere you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.